Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, and it is a privilege to be joined today by Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten. This is essentially a makeshift crossover episode. We don't have anyone for Locked On Terps yet. Uh, if that's already been dubbed, uh, I'll make it Locked On Terps anyway. But Nate, you are going to be the uh, opposition expert, the Maryland expert for this week's episode. Yeah, I told you before we went on. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I can definitely talk on the Terrapins and get a little bit of insight here. So hopefully I can at least uh, be a good enough replacement player here. Well, and we're going to get into uh, your perspective on Penn State, uh, your perspective on Maryland and what I know about Maryland that I can throw back at you. And then since you are from Locked On Big Ten, we'll have our final segment here just to kind of look across the conference and see, you know, Penn State and Maryland are neck and neck in the Big Ten East, even though this is overly dominated by Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, So for your perspective of Penn State to start, how do you view the Nittany Lions right now? They're currently 14th in the AP Top 20 or in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Uh, they move up one spot. So do you see this team as a legitimate at least threat to other college football teams, or are they still overrated uh, if you think they were to begin with? Uh, I wouldn't say overrated yet. And it's funny you talk about to begin with because I really do think there's two different ways to think about this team right now. You have – what you were thinking going into the season, which is, is this team like actually talented good, or is this going to be the seven and 16 that we saw last season? And, and if you're going off that perspective, Penn state's gotten itself back to the point where it's like, okay, this is still Penn state football. We're talking about here. Right. But at the same time, if you're asking, are they really, really contenders to just about everybody in college football? Yeah, sure. But when you played Michigan and you played Ohio state, I don't think anybody really thought that there was a big shot that Penn State was going to come away a winner of either of those games. And if they did, it was going to be some sort of huge upset that was maybe a little bit bigger than like the 10 to 20th in the country ranking that Penn State had earned up to that point. So if you're asking if there's a still competitive team in football there, of course there is. This is still Penn State football. But When we're talking about the team that was competing for national championships not too long ago, there's still a lot of steps to be taken to getting back to that point. And I think that it's been long enough now that when you're taking an outsider's perspective on it, you can think that that's maybe really the difference in the expectation. Inside Penn State, it's still let's get back to the national championship level and stage. Outside, I don't feel like anyone really expects that out of the Nittany Lions anymore, at least not right now. Absolutely. I mean, that's and that's the expectation that a lot of people have. I guess I'm in the boat of, you know, I'm content with 10 and two. I'm content with uh, seven and two in Big Ten play, because just right now uh, it takes a while. Don't don't look at Tennessee. okay, with what Tennessee is able to do in the SEC and bounce back and have that quick of a turnaround. But uh, honestly, 
Ohio State and Michigan, those were it's not like they were bad opponents. And, and Penn State, I guess, has the chance to be upset here in the end of the season, but I don't think they will. I've said consistently that they're going to finish 10 and 2. I said that at the beginning of the year. I, I will admit, admit again because I did change my pick away from Michigan back to Penn State. But then, you know, but if you asked me back in August, I would have said, oh, Michigan wins that game. They're just the better football team. And then they proved to be. I looked at that schedule and tried to convince myself that Penn State would get a win, but they were the much better team. Uh, so Penn State, uh, as the 14 team, you and I agree that they are a competitive team and that they will fit. I mean, you expect them to win out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's no reason why they shouldn't win the rest of their games. Yeah, I mean, this is um, with Maryland. I mean, Maryland, which we'll talk about here, might be the biggest test the rest of the way. Yeah, this is easily the toughest test uh, between Maryland, uh, Michigan State, and Rutgers. I don't think uh, you know <laughs> you know what uh, what kind of team Rutgers is here. It's Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten. I'm Zach Sako of Locked On Nittany Lions. We're talking Penn State first before we preview Maryland. What's been the biggest surprise for you about Penn State? Because in our circle, we we knew about Nicholas Singleton. We knew about Katron Allen. Um, I guess I had maybe the over-optimistic take that they would be ready early in the season by a week four, week five, and that actually happened. But from listening to James Franklin, from listening to the running backs coach, Jaywan Sider, they glow about them, right? So it really wasn't that big of a secret for the Penn State media. Uh, if you're talking from the outsider perspective, is it how much those two have contributed or is it something else about this Penn State team? Yeah, it would probably be just the consistency with those two, Katron Allen in particular. I think Nicholas Singleton, I mean, was obviously a name that a whole lot of people knew. He was one that you get kind of, his reach goes a little bit outside of Penn State even before he gets onto the field there. So his name was kind of well known. Katron Allen coming up and stepping up and being kind of on that same level and contributing that way, that's been a big surprise. But outside of that, I feel like the big story is the way that Penn State hasn't been all that surprising in what it's done, or at least all that unique compared to what's plagued other Penn State teams. There's really good position players. There's really good skill players. Parker Washington's outstanding. Uh, Nicholas Singleton's great. Joey Porter Jr.'s great. But the quarterback position has still been the question mark. Sean Clifford is still Sean Clifford, it shows. And it appears that that's still going to be what ends up separating Penn State from being up at the top of this Big Ten East, at least for a little bit longer. So it, it's frustrating for a lot of Penn State fans to to see Sean Clifford at times or just the limitations that uh, I think he brings to this offense. And there's a lot that he can do with with his mind, the way he studies the game, the way he understands it. I think he'll be an incredible coach. I think he's a football mind. But athletically, We've seen so much that when Drew comes in in garbage time that it's just like, man, it's just different. So what is the outside perspective of Sean Clifford, uh, you know, given that it's just it's still kind of the same thing. It's the status quo and he can get you to a 10 and two team and get you a bowl game, a, a signature bowl game, but not necessarily the college football playoff or the Big Ten title, which everyone's craving here is Nittany Lion fans. Yeah, this is where it's a lot easier to be the outsider, right? Because Sean Clifford, you say what you want about him. You say that he can't lead this team to whatever it is you want Penn State to be. And you're probably right. But we know what Sean Clifford is. He's done good by this Penn State team. He's gotten this team to a point where, again, 
10 wins is still on the table here. And that's not anything to shake your head at, especially with the season that Penn State had come off of last year, too. So when you're looking at all of that put into context from the outside, yeah, it may just be, hey, let's throw Jarrell in, at least if he's not going to be great, get him ready and be future minded here so we can get someone that we think is going to be great closer to that point, closer in the season. But as far as just what Penn State's probably going to do and what probably is just like the right thing for this season putting sean clifford out there he's deserved to be able to do whatever he's going to do the rest of the way i don't you'd be easier to tell me how exactly loud the shouts for a guy like drew aller have been throughout the low points of this season but as far as what's actually going to happen out there sean clifford's going to play out this season i'd imagine and probably lead penn state to a 10-win year which is going to be thought of as a success, at least inside the school, but I don't know if the fans are really, really thinking how great that is, considering where it could have been. And and Drew Aller, yes, he does. He does get a lot of uh, he does get a lot of cheers and everything else. It's almost it's kind of disrespectful to be honest. Uh, it, it's kind of disrespectful uh, in the fact that. Sean Clifford has given as much as you said that he has, um, and, and he's done good by this program. And then the five-star quarterback comes in, and they're booing the sixth-year senior. You know, like like everything's his fault, and that's just not the case. Um, the kind of couple more ideas here, and the one is about Drew Aller. I mean, from the national perspective, do people think that he should play over Sean Clifford, or do are they in the boat of no? Let because you said Sean Clifford should finish this entire season but do you think that people want to see drew aller from that national perspective as well i don't know if it's i don't know how many people care from a national perspective at this point i think people are kind of thinking that they have what penn state is if not figured out it's at a point where they've already lost to michigan and ohio state so they're kind of beyond what Penn State's doing. It's not like uh, the calling for a Quinn Ewers at a Texas or anything like that. But I mean, it's again, if you're thinking about the future of this team and what gets this team to a national stage faster, Sean Clifford isn't going to get that team contending again. And to be honest, this is a season where Penn State isn't going to be contending again anyway already, we know. So why not let him finish out the year? But I feel like Drew Aller is a guy that if you have him out there, maybe he gets a little bit better this season and you end up saying, okay, this did end up helping, but it's going to be something that's fractional at the end of it. I don't think that there's any sort of real point in putting him in here for the last few games. Uh, it's sort of like a Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy at Michigan situation, really, where like, yeah, Cade McNamara was a fine quarterback, did a good job leading Michigan last season, but at some point, Jim Harbaugh was just like, hey, J.J. McCarthy gives us a better chance for what we're trying to do this year. If Penn State was still in it, then maybe you say, hey, we need that kind of a spark at quarterback. It's obvious we can't beat these teams with Sean Clifford there, but those games have already come and gone. So at this point, you can put Sean Clifford out there and say, hey, finish out your season, help this young guy get ready to take over afterward. And I don't think you're really losing much on the development on the other end. 
My name is Zach Seiko, joined by Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten. It's a makeshift crossover episode. We are talking Penn State and Maryland. That's coming up in our next segment here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Upside. Upside offsets inflated prices by giving you cash back on your purchases. Inflation has all of us thinking about different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I got cash back on every purchase. I use Upside at the gas station. It is super easy to use, and it's not too good to be true. It works. To get started, download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. This is Locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also now on YouTube, if you're watching via video, Nate Dickinson of Locked on Big Ten is joining me. Zach Sago here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Nate, thanks again so much for your time. Uh, we'll try to get the you know the best inside scoop for you. You are essentially the pseudo Locked on uh, Terps uh, expert here today um, and doing some back, background research on this team. Uh, it'll be they they actually match up fairly well. I, I like Penn State in this game, and I'll get to and we'll get to that soon. But Maryland, I think, has surprised a lot of people with the fact that they're six and three to this point. Uh, the twenty three to ten loss to Wisconsin, I don't really take that too much into consideration right now, just because that was a bad weather game. That's not who they are, and the weather's supposed to be fair uh, for Penn State uh, at University Park come Saturday here. But what should people know from the Locked On Big Ten perspective? What should people know immediately about this Maryland team, in addition to Talia Tangavaloa, who is the younger brother of Tua, still starting for this team? Uh, well, that's obviously the name that stands out when you take a look up and down this roster. And he is the name that's going to be filling up the stat sheet. This is a team that likes to air out the football. They like to use that Tangavaloa arm to try and get themselves points downfield. And until last week, this was a fan base that was thinking that this might be the most confident that you could be in a Maryland team in the last few seasons. Uh, Turks were on the verge of a top 25 win. They lost to Wisconsin. But again, that team that we thought we believed in in Maryland is not a team that loses by 13 and only puts up 10 points against the Badgers. You bring up a good point with the weather. It was not the best of conditions, but... Him coming off of an injury, Tungavailoa still did not have his best game. And a lot of people are saying it was his worst game of the season. It ended up being, I think, 10 of 24 was the final. 77 mm -hmm. yards, a touchdown, an interception for him in that game. The running game wasn't all that great with him not throwing the ball all that well. But if you're looking for what Maryland's going to do, you're right. You should not be thinking about what that Wisconsin game was because Maryland's going to try and throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball well. That's one thing that has been a big difference 
between other years and this year for Tunga Vailoa. His accuracy has been better this season. He's fine-tuned some things a little bit more that has made him a better quarterback. And Maryland's going to try and score some points on you. They don't do a very good job at stopping much at all. So if you have those strengths that Penn State does, like with Nicholas Singleton on the ground game, you can expect he's going to be able to do his thing. But the question is going to be, is Maryland going to be able to put up the points to keep up with you? And outside of last week against Wisconsin, the answer had every single weekend been yes. And they have the offense, and they at least have a diversity of targets, I would say. There's guys who you would think would be superstars still. Um, I can I want to start with the passing game because as you mentioned, so Talia Tagavaloa is a he's a guy that actually is a dual threat. And I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle that he can do one or the other, and you really got to keep that uh into account. But they were supposed to have probably one of the better wide receiver cores to this point, and I don't think they've lived up to that expectation. Rakim Jarrett was a former five-star recruit and committed, and he was someone that was actually recruited by Penn State, and I think he could have thrived here. But that's besides the point. Not bitter <laughs> um, that he, you know, that he slighted Penn State. But they also have Dante Demas Jr., who I don't think is the same since he had uh, that knee, that ACL injury from a year ago. And both of these guys just seem to, you know, they just have the inconvenient injuries that holds them back from their potential. So what is this passing game with, you know, an 80% Rakim Jarrett, an 80% Dante Demas Jr.? Or is that just kind of my perception and I'm wrong and, you know, we should be uh, ready for a serious aerial attack from Maryland on Saturday? Well, I don't know if you're right or wrong about those guys and what they can do, but I just know that this Maryland offense, while it may not put up the dominant numbers with the individuals, it spreads out its targets incredibly well. And the yards, too. There's six players on this Maryland team, six different catchers of passes who have more than 200 but less than 400 receiving yards on the season. Six different guys. That includes running back Roman Hemby, who, while also averaging six yards per carry on the ground, has himself 240 yards receiving, too. So while this passing offense is dynamic and it can go over the top on you for sure, what the bread and butter has been is mixing things up. Like if you're looking for, okay, who is it that Joey Porter Jr. needs to shut down here? There's no clear answer. Maybe it's Rakeem Jarrett based on what you're talking about with just the pure talent. But Maryland's going to have all sorts of different guys that it can and will throw to. It's going to try and spread out a defense. And it's worked for the most part. Whether or not these guys would have the skills to be 1,000-yard receivers if that's the way they were playing things, I don't know. But I do know that Maryland is intentionally spreading out the passing game, and there's a reason why there isn't anyone who really sticks out with the big numbers. Yeah, they have two tight ends as well. It's Deitches and Dupree that can factor in, and, and it's not one or the other. It's both. Uh, you mentioned Hemby on the ground. Uh, flipping it over defensively, uh, it seems like Maryland can't stop uh, anything. They are a wet paper bag when it comes to defense, but they have some guys that I like. Uh, one of them is a former top recruit and a top commit in Jay Sean Barham, uh, I mean, he seems to be the focal point defensively. I'll get to the defensive backs in just a second because they have a couple individual players that you just at least need to try to take out of the game plan. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, every Big Ten team, once you get to this level, is going to have those kind of guys that you need to focus on. The point is that Maryland just doesn't have a 
big volume of those kind of players. And to be completely honest, they're not trying to play that typical ground and pound Big Ten game, slow you down, low scoring kind of affair here. They're going to want to score a little bit more points. They're going to want to run things up on you. There's only been, as I mentioned, before scoring just 10 points last weekend, that team had not scored less than 24 points the entire season. And it goes along with who they've played, too, up until it was, I think, Michigan State was the only major Power 5 team that had failed to score less than, like, 25 points on Maryland. So this is a team who's not playing a whole lot and stopping a whole lot on defense, but it's partially because of, at least when you look at the point totals, because of the way that they're trying to play that game. They don't want to get into that low-scoring, slow-paced kind of Big Ten football game. They're trying to play with a little bit of a different identity, and it'll show in the numbers on defense, but you're right. It's a little bit deceptive, and they do have talented names out there that you have to at least look out for. The problem is that teams are able to single those guys out when there aren't that many of them out there. And Bo Braid is the other one. He leads them in tackles. He's got pass breakups, interceptions, forced fumbles. He kind of does it all, and that's who I wanted to refer to. He's one of those other signature players. The last question that I have for you, Nate, about the uh, Terrapins themselves is this offensive-defensive line matchup because Penn State's offensive line uh, is, and I use the word makeshift a lot, that's really how it is. You have a true freshman starting at left tackle. Olu Fashinu is going to be out for this game most likely. We don't know if Caden Wallace is going to be back. Uh, Landon Tangwall just got announced that uh, he's going to miss the remainder of the season because he had surgery, and James Franklin's pretty secretive about those. So when he does share that, you know that it's bad news. Uh, Horner, Hunter Norzad just announced that he's coming back for a 2023 season. I know that doesn't matter against Maryland, but he got rolled up on on the first play against Indiana, and I don't exactly know what his status is. So does Penn State need to be worried uh, about a lackluster, a let me just say this, a lower standard offensive line uh, against a Maryland team, or is it going to be kind of similar to the output of Indiana where – the defensive line's just not that good, so the offensive line will be able to skate by this time around. I, I think it'll depend on what ends up setting the tone in that game. A Nicholas Singleton, let's say, to start off that game, is the at least run blocking able to open things up a little bit on offense. If Penn State's, or I'm sorry, if Maryland's able to get on their toes and start getting aggressive there and attacking, I think that there could easily, of course, be problems when there's injuries on the offensive line. That's always the case, again, when you get to this kind of a level. But if you can get to a point where at least you have to respect what the offensive line and the run game is doing out there to allow the pass game and the offensive line to make up for that kind of what deficit may be out there, then I think you have a chance to be okay and not, again, see more of what you're looking at and what happened against Indiana last weekend. But it'll be more dependent on how Penn State sets that tone than it will be just Maryland's defensive line being bad. Before we look around the Big Ten, Nate, I don't necessarily need a a score prediction, but do you like Penn State in this game? I do. Uh, Penn State's looked really good against everyone that hasn't been Michigan and Ohio State. Unless they (laughs) prove otherwise at some point, I'm going to stick with that. 
All right. So I like Penn State as well, and I'll give my score prediction in tomorrow's Locked on Nittany Lions. It is Locked on Nittany Lions, a, a like crossover in today's episode, a crossover of Locked on Nittany Lions and Locked on Big Ten with host Nate Dickinson. When we return, we're going to talk around the Big Ten here. Today's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. This is Locked on Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can follow myself at Zach underscore Seiko on Twitter. And Nate, how can people connect with you online? Uh, shows Locked on Big Ten on the podcast, YouTube, and on Twitter. It's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate with sports personally on Twitter. All right, perfect. It is Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten. I'm Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lions. And now we're going to look around the Big Ten, do some uh, do a favor back for Nate, uh, as he's helped me out so much talking about Penn State and Maryland in our first two segments. On our last segment, uh, the whole the whole perspective of the Big Ten. And I want to start with the. I, I don't even know what to call it uh, to keep it PG because it's just really messed up on the uh, Big Ten West side of things. I. Uh, where do you think that uh, who's going to end up at, at the top of this, just this cluster of mediocre teams in the big 10 West? Uh, I have no idea. Um, at this point, I'd say whoever wins between Purdue and Illinois this weekend is probably my favorite. Um, you've had at times this season, we thought it was going to be Minnesota for a little bit. We thought it could be Michigan yep. state at the beginning of the year. Then in the preseason, we knew this was going to be a wide open division, but, it was just kind of insane how everything has played out even up until now. We got to the point where everything's all knotted up still, but it was an ugly, ugly road to get there. So at this point, I was asked the same question about this on a radio hit I did yesterday, and it's just, it's whoever can impress me next, to be honest, because there's been two-week stretches for about three or four different teams where I've been like, oh, okay, maybe this team's going to be able to put it together I, right now. Iowa and Wisconsin are both seeming like out of nowhere they can put up some points. So maybe one of them ends up doing what they seem to always do and have it together by the end of the year and ready to win that West. But with the way the standings are looking right now, there's no real reason for me to have a favorite. I guess I'd say if I'm just going into the weekend, yeah, whoever wins between Illinois and Purdue here, those are the two teams who have at least looked maybe the most consistently good, but it's hard to say that about Illinois at this point and Purdue, even with what we've seen in the last few weeks. And then from what we knew kind of earlier in the season or even before that this was going to be a boat race between Ohio State and Michigan, I liked Ohio State a lot more than Michigan, just given the fact that Michigan went through so many different changes. They lost an offensive coordinator. They changed their defensive coordinator. The controversy with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, uh, you did lose some talent from a year ago, but they've seemed to have recovered. I mean, Jim Harbaugh 
almost left for the Minnesota Vikings job. So I, I'm trying to wrap my head around how just from a chemistry and emotion standpoint that Michigan has been able to wade that storm. But I think that's a testament of good coaching from Jim Harbaugh, as much as I hate to admit it here on a Nittany Lions talk show. Uh, so, Nate, is this going to be I mean, is Ohio State still the clear cut favorite to go to the Big Ten championship uh, or can Michigan surprise? Because I think right now they're an 11 point underdog if you look all the way ahead to the final game of the season. And that's what it's going to come down to here. It's one or the other. It can't be both. Uh, well, the answer to your question is uh, yes to both, actually. I mean, is Ohio State the clear-cut favorite? Yes. There's a reason why they've been ahead of Michigan the entire season. There's a reason why they've gotten an extra level, if you ask me, of respect to put them in the same tier as the Georgia and the Alabama and everyone else in a way that even I thought they hadn't been in previous years. This quarterback's the best in the country. The running backs might be the best in the country. The wide receivers probably are the best in the country. The offensive line had multiple All-American mentions in the preseason and even more All-Big Ten mentions. This offense is top-notch across the board. The defense under Jim Knowles has been as good as everyone thought it might be when he got there and said he could fix things right away. It has been that kind of good. So when you're looking at why Ohio State's over Michigan, yeah, it's all of that stuff put together. It's undeniable that the Buckeyes have a better resume as a team. Can Michigan beat Ohio State? Absolutely. That's why it happened last year. I think that the reason why you saw J.J. McCarthy so early in this season is because I think Jim Harbaugh took a look at things and said, we are not going to be able to win the way that we won last year with both quarterbacks there. We need someone who could potentially give us that explosion. J.J. McCarthy does that. I think that once again, smartly, Jim Harbaugh has been focusing this whole season leading up to this Ohio State game, knowing, as we all know, that it's going to decide what we think about Michigan football for the next 364 days after that game gets played. It's something where I have no idea what's going to happen when we get to that Saturday. I'm excited for us to get there. And it seems like now that, well, to be quite honest, now that both teams have beaten Penn State, it seems like we're on our way to getting that big game at the end of the season. And that should be what decides it. It will be what decides it. But who's the more talented team? I think it's Ohio State that's proven that. I think that's very fair. And I know that Penn State put up more of a fight against Ohio State. But I think Ohio State just kind of was saying, hey, let's just get in and get out. And then they realized, like, oh, shoot, we got to break out a real game plan here towards the end. And then that's. How that all happened here. Uh, Nate, before I let you go, one final time, everyone. Uh, Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten joining me here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Nate, how again, how can people connect with you online? Uh, Locked On Big Ten is available just like how you're listening to Locked On Nittany Lions right now. It's Big Ten 1-0 at the end instead of T-E-N spelled out. I'm Nate with sports on Twitter. And yeah, follow us wherever you get all your stuff. Yeah. And like Locked on Nittany Lions, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you can watch if you want to watch the show, it is on YouTube as well. So, Nate, thanks so much for your time and giving us perspective on the Big Ten, your specialty uh, and one of those teams that you do cover in the Big Ten by guilty by association. And that is the Maryland Terrapin. So I appreciate it. Of course. Happy to come on whenever you need me, Zach.